The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast. This is the Scream Kings Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Darkish. And this is Max George. There's something more to this podcast. Our cells don't work. Neither does the TV or the radio. We're isolated. Everyone should be isolated. I hope everyone listening is isolated. Man, you should have. Maybe we should have had you do that. Uh, those lines in Spanish, since you uh, speak Espanol. Si hablo el español, but I looked for the sentence in Spanish and I couldn't find it, and I didn't want to misquote the movie. So, for the sake of being accurate, I did it in English. Pero yo puedo hablar en el español. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody wants that. Oh, Nathaniel, we are f- week four of quarantine. How are you holding up? Wait, it's only been four weeks. It's not been many, four many centuries. It's been four thousand moons. Feels like it sometimes. I mean, quarantine hasn't been too bad. I've been keeping pretty busy with uh, trying to wrangle all of the high schoolers that I teach to you know actually graduate on time and all that kind of stuff so that's been keeping me busy and you know i don't know i i turned 30 you're about to turn 30 yeah we're not going to talk about that birthdays during quarantine are kind of lame but whatever yeah but also based on my ability to speak and type and write today 30 is definitely downhill for me um yeah uh early 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 onset dementia basically i'm doing okay i'm able to work remotely which has been a godsend so that's been nice um i haven't seen my daughter though in about four weeks which is frustrating and i'm a very much a people person if you haven't gathered from listening to this podcast so not having that social interaction has been exhausting for me but we hope all of our listeners are staying safe staying productive i know it's kind of a weird crazy time but we thought it would be the excellent opportunity to review two movies that are phenomenal and we're talking about wreck and wreck 2 these movies were readapted into english versions american versions i don't know what we want to call them um yeah uh the uh, american remake uh is of course quarantine and then there was a sequel to quarantine but it has nothing to do with any of the wreck sequels so quarantine we're in a quarantine isolation the characters in these movies were not isolated basically this is what's going to happen in a few months (laughs) man i hope not yeah same i'm already losing my mind with the womb gremlin oh boy the womb gremlin yeah that's what i've taken to referring my three-year-old as because he is uh losing his mind and it's making us lose our minds by way of daniel tiger and zabumafu oh boy i don't know which one would be worse you know they're not that bad on their own but when you get them every single day because you need something to you know keep him distracted while both me and my wife are working it's just you know so much fun Well, if you stick with us to the end of the episode, you'll be able to hear our quarantine list of good horror movies to watch if you're not exhausted and overwhelmed from all of the news that we get on the radio and news sources. It's all quarantine uh, slash pandemic specific films. Exactly. It's a great, great time. So how about we just dive in, Nathaniel? Let's talk about Wreck. Okay, so Wreck is one of my all-time favorite horror movies, so I am so excited to talk about it. Uh, not only is it uh, one of the best found footage movies ever made, I think it's just one of the best horror movies made, period. I would also argue, I think it, well, for me at least, was one of the first found footage movies, but it's also one that I 
I don't know. We had Blair Witch Project, and I don't remember a whole lot after Blair Witch until around this time. This yeah. paranormal activity, they kind of reinvented the genre in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Definitely around this time, yeah, we, we had a huge explosion in the found footage subgenre of horror. Yeah, like you mentioned, you know, there's paranormal activity. Uh, Cloverfield did a lot for that. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, I, and, and I think it makes sense. Uh, so I guess I, I want to talk about why I like found footage as much as I do, maybe more than I ought to. No, um, please do, because I also love found footage. They're the t- kind of movie that even if it's boring and kind of slow, I'm hooked. If the story's somewhat engaging, I love a good found footage. Agreed. Yeah, and, and so to me, what I like about found footage, uh, one, it, it really gives a lot of filmmakers who have a really clever idea to, to be able to make uh, a good uh, and, and good looking horror film, uh, regardless of, you know, having a minuscule budget, things like that. You know, like the, the, the first Paranormal Activity, for example, is a terrifying, terrifying movie. And it really, you know, they did so much on so little budget. Yeah, and and I, I think that's definitely true with, with these rec films as well. You know, they did a lot, especially with the first one, on a you know, shoestring budget in Spain. You know, it's not like it's a Hollywood produced thing, it's a it's a Spanish film and you know, they, they were working on very little money and, and they made a really killer film. So that's one thing that I really love about found footage. Uh, but the other thing is really just something that I I really like when I'm kind of consuming any sort of media and that's kind of like the immersive experience where you know if i'm for example if i'm reading a book uh one of my favorite horror novels of all time and this won't surprise anybody it's it's one of the big classics is dracula uh and the reason i love it so much in part is because it's you know told through journals and letters and things like that you know things that are you know written to you by characters and it's not just written first person perspective but rather you know it's taking the form of journals and so this is like the film equivalent of that same idea where you know we have the camera is part of the world it's not that we are watching a piece of entertainment it's almost like we are watching something that was actually really created. It, it just like takes away one layer of separation from the film in a way that really draws me in as a, as a viewer or, you know, as I mentioned, as a reader or, you know, whatever. I love having that kind of experience with my horror. I would 100% agree with you, Nathaniel. And Paranormal Activity, the first one at least, to me is a prime example of this. And even Wreck um it strips away some of that that hollywood facade that we're so used to and so if the found footage is done well it's almost more authentic and more believable uh which creates a very intense level of fear because you feel like you're participating in the situation with these characters and i think it's a great segue to talk about wreck because even though it's a foreign film um and if spanish is not your native language uh it's not a hugely over-budgeted film, but the the scares are terrifying, and the production value of it is so phenomenal. It, it really kind of makes you panicky, and especially nowadays where we are living in a quarantine situation. This movie kind of snowballs into something that, that people should really give more credit to, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. And, and yeah... You know, we've mentioned the budget, yeah, and so I just looked up what the budget was. The estimated budget was about one hundred, or sorry, one million five hundred thousand euros. So I don't know, like probably two, three million dollars, um, which for a, a film, especially a, one of this caliber, is is really, really tiny, um, especially for how good the effects look in this film. Like the practical effect work is fantastic. So let's maybe give a quick rundown. Um, Rec is directed by Juame Balaguerro and Paco Plaza. Uh, like we mentioned, it's a Spanish film. Quick synopsis is we've got a reporter and her cameraman who are kind of filming a TV show that discuss kind of oddball jobs. Um, and so the job that they go to for the night is with the local bomberos, which is Spanish for firefighters. And at first, um, the reporter and the cameraman seem to be a little timid, a little 
kind of put out that they're doing a firefighter segment. Yeah, it seems like a fluff piece for sure, Ex- you know, ex- just to fill some time in the nightly news. Exactly. Kind of white noise. Um, they go to this apartment complex, though, when the Bomberos get a phone call. And at that point, things just go into chaos. Um, they get this call about this kind of lady who's gone a little insane and is attacking people. But as the movie progresses, this lady who's attacking people, if you get bitten or exchange any sort of bodily fluids, you contract whatever's going on with her. And so it's a super original story that's so simplistic. And, and the cool thing is you think it's zombies. You think it's zombies for the entire movie, really. Mm-hmm. But, plot twist, it's my favorite little people, the demons. This this is a demonic movie. It's a possession movie, which is so cool. Yeah, and I guess to, to provide a little bit of context for that, that's really not something that you can that you fully piece together until you watch the second film. And so we're going to dive into that even more in the second film, but the basic idea is that it is a virus that has been created to dis that that like distilling demonic possession from someone who was possessed um and it's an extremely aggressive virus it basically gives you like super rabies is how i would refer to it as mm-hmm. and so yeah they're they're violent they're it's it's very much like a kind of a zombie like a, like a fast zombie sort of thing that you would see in other films but there is like a certain level of uh intensity uh, in in the attacks and all that that seem you know that that are more kind of indicative of it being something more and like i said you find out what that is in number two and i i think rec works so well is because they're not trying to scare you they are of course it's a horror horror film but the the actual scares are very visceral and they're very authentic to kind of what this kind of situation i would imagine would be like all this group of people the the reporter and her video camera the firefighters they meet up with some police officers they're all quarantined in this hotel as one person slowly an apartment building an apartment excuse me um as one person at a time slowly starts to kind of descend into this demonic virus thing and it's incredibly suffocating movie the scares aren't like beyond crazy one of the scariest parts i think for me is they're all kind of huddled together and this is right at the beginning of the movie and a body just kind of falls from the top of the apartment complex and slams down on the ground yeah and and you know to, to and to clarify that's i think one of the paramedics that you know came with the firefighters up to this lady's room and presumably the old lady threw him down the stairs and, and so this atmosphere of panic is really the undertone of the entire movie it starts right at the beginning and it doesn't let up even when the credits roll you're still kind of trying to to catch your breast your breast your breath <laughs> almost <laughs> oh. yeah yeah well and and that's not not a coincidence you know it ends in a in a really intense kind of cliffhangery sort of way which you know is thankfully where the second film ends up picking up but it, you know it works as an ending but yeah just all the way through it's it's very strong how it's constructed uh, one thing i really love about the film is that um you know a lot of times with with a horror film especially you know they're gonna do a lot to kind of set up a shot so it is like the most ideal intense angle to you know see the scary thing jump out at you but what I really liked about this one is that, you know, sometimes, yeah, we do have it, you know, they turn a corner and suddenly there's something that jumps out. But there's also those scenes where, you know, like with that body falling, it just kind of happens, like, in the background. And you're like, and then they, like, freak out and go, like, wait, what? What just happened? Um, and so, like, you are kind of going through the experience of making sense of all of this mess. And, you know, it, it really puts you in there because it isn't always, like, so perfectly set up and polished how they're going to set up each scare you know sometimes it's just is the little thing going on in the background and and that ends up being the most important thing in terms of you know what whatever is going on with the scene and that's going to be the scary thing that's going to be the the thing that gets them to do the next action and you know they're not always pointing their camera at the at the right thing and i think in tandem with that a good found footage makes you believe that it doesn't set up a scene to scare you the the scares are very natural 
And another element, I think, to good found footage is what Rec does. The camera is not a clear camera. It's a very kind of antiquated type of a camera. Some of the scenes look better than others. It goes in and out when the zombies are there. It's very shaky. If you get like motion sickness at all, it's not going to sit well with you. And, and all of that adds to the panic. It doesn't make it difficult to watch, in my opinion. It makes it better. It makes it scarier because if, if you were filming something like this, you would be reacting like it. You'd be terrified. Um, and so, again, all of this is kind of the frosting on this horrific cake. And then you get into the acting, which is also brilliant, in my opinion. There's the scene... Uh, well, not the scene, the the mother and her child. There's this poor mother who's got her sickly child and she needs to get this child to the hospital. And the entire movie, she's panicking over her kid and it just tugs at your heartstrings. And then you realize that the kid is sick with the demonic virus. And so it's it just, again, snowballs into this chaotic mess. And it's so terribly frightening and uh it's great it's a great 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 way to tell a story yeah and and what i love about that scene especially is this idea that you know you you start out that scene kind of feeling empathy for this child who's sick and and you know you're like oh you're worried about the child and then as soon as you realize that the child is infected then the worry stops being about the child and starts being about the mother who is holding her you know it's suddenly oh, the person who is in danger here is not this little kid. And so it, it really kind of subverts uh, your expectations of, of where the threat is. And so that, that worked really well. Another thing I'm seeing, you know, in the notes here is is that you brought up how a lot of the people who we see, you know, really doing a lot of the action, but while being, you know, in kind of full-blown panic mode, you know, is is a police officer and a you know firefighter and a paramedic. You know, these these kind of authority figures that we normally see, kind of you know that that we turn to for for reassurance and calm and all of that. You know, they're in the thick of this too, and you know they were kind of freaking out, understandably, at the beginning because suddenly this old lady freaked out and started biting them, and and everyone's losing their minds, and so they're just you know at first just trying to get their injured friend to uh, an ambulance. But then as soon as they get downstairs, they can't leave the building. And that's when the panic sets in because like they have a way to proceed that, you know, that makes sense for being calm and, and handling the situation. They, they know how to do that until they get to the point that they're sealed in by the Spanish equivalent of the CDC and told you cannot leave the building. And once that hits and, and they don't have a, you know, trained in you know way to proceed the the terror really sets in for them which makes everyone else who was already looking to to them for reassurance that much more scared and so i thought that was a really great idea to have it involve you know these sort of kind of authority figures and then take the rug out from them Another really awesome thing I like is the plot is so simple. At its core, it's a disease movie. It's talking about this unknown virus or whatever we want to call it that's infecting a group of people and they don't know what's going on. It's it's very similar to what's happening now with COVID-19. Uh, I think there is a lot of panic and a lot of anxiety over something because maybe it's not super deadly like the demonic virus and wreck. But because we don't understand it and we don't know how to confront it, really. Um, and this movie does a really good job because not only do you have that level of uncertainty, but then they throw on some incredible practical effects as well. Um, in demonic movies, typically you'll see a change in eye color. And uh, I hate it, but I think Supernatural, the terrible TV show, has kind of laid the foundation that when you're possessed by a demon your eyes go black um and that is scary in its own right but i think it's just so overused that this movie did something different they changed the white of the eye to red um and then the iris of the eye yellow very similar to what we had in evil dead the remake of evil dead with the kandarian demon um, and that to me was really spooky because again, 
we don't know if this is a symptom of the virus or this demonic undertone that we have no idea is even going on until the very last scene of the film. And on top of that, you also have this kind of slow guttural noise that sounds a little bit like Samara from The Ring. Not The Ring. The Grudge. No, Samara's from The Ring. Yeah, but who makes the guttural noise? The Ring and The Grudge to me are essentially the same movie. (laughs) Anyway, guttural kind of... And then it just turns into crazy scream, like animalistic, brutal yell. And it's it gets you so hard when you're watching it because you just don't expect it to jump like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we could probably go on and on and talk about this movie for a whole nother episode, but uh, we have a lot to cover today. I just wanted to, to bring up my very, very favorite moment in the film um yes please because oh it's just so good because it, it it it's a wonderful like way to use found footage and it's weird to say wonderful about this but you know we're horror nerds so of course um but yeah. they, they to to involve the camera so uh viscerally because uh, there's one scene in which the cameraman has to fight off one of the infected using the camera as a weapon and so he like literally is like smashing in this like lady's face with the camera and so it's like extreme close-up extreme close-up as as the face is getting smashed in with the camera and oh my gosh it is so effective it's it's by far my favorite scene in the movie like it's it's the thing that like more than anything else i just go like that movie was amazing because of that one moment I mean, the whole movie is fantastic, and I love that it you know it has subtlety in the storytelling. You know, it doesn't spell out everything. It has lots of like you know hints at what's going on without having to beat you over the head with stuff. But that moment was just like from a, a special effects nerd perspective, a horror nerd perspective. You know, just just everything and 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 uh, found footage nerd, like all of those things just got so mm, chef's kiss, just perfectly satisfied. um i i think for me the best scene of all is at the very end um the reporter and a cameraman make it to kind of the the attic or the loft house of the apartment it's it's just the reporter angela oh you're right you're right got taken out just barely before that that's that's right excuse me and you you enter this room this kind of loft house kind of penthouse almost and it's covered with newspaper articles of this poor girl who's been demonically possessed and there's all of this religious iconography all over the walls and you start to think well what does this have to do with zombies and this crazy virus and then you kind of piece it together well maybe there's something else going on and then you see kind of the the patient zero the vector of all of this is what's happening But before you see her, we switch into night mode on the camera um, because they're trying to be quiet. They're trying to avoid this crazy monster. And it's this emaciated old lady. Her jaw is disconnected. She almost looks like a praying mantis. It's terrifying. And it's in the night vision mode on the camera. So everything's very grainy and that green kind of hue to it all. So you you have the found footage, you have heavy breathing from our sweet little reporter, and then you have this monster crawling out of the darkness. <laughs> it, oh, it's so good. Yeah, and, and and I love also that that, you know, then like she's trying to back away and she drops the camera and so she's <laughs> feeling in the darkness for the camera and and at this point, you know, it's it's just a little bit in front of her and so it's just her and she's reaching out very carefully so she can you know be able to see again and just as she's about to start touching it she gets dragged away credits roll oh such a good ending and and that's all we have and so it finishes and you're just like whoa what the hell just happened (laughs) who was that crazy lady um and it's just it takes your breath away in the worst and best way 
in the worst way because it's so chaotic and you're panicking so much and then in the best way because it's just such a sublime ending to a horror movie nowadays i think nathaniel all of our horror movies are very let's wrap it up in a nice pretty bow everyone is okay at the end of the day even if half the party died someone makes it out and in wreck that doesn't happen youth everyone is essentially dead and i love those kind of horrific endings because that's how life is it's not all happy endings and rainbows and unicorns and easter bunnies um i wish more horror movies would do that because this ending compared to other horror movies is just night and day night and day agreed Ugh. um let's talk about maybe some of the few things we didn't like about it there's not a lot um there's nothing wrong with this movie it's perfect <laughs> And anyone who says otherwise can fight me. Okay, go ahead and fight me. Um, I don't want to fight you. I just wanted to point out that the, the filmography of the movie is found footage, and that can sometimes be nauseating to people. Uh, it's not for me. I can watch it uh, morning, afternoon, and night and be fine. Um, it adds to the horror, like we've mentioned, but again, it, it can make you nauseous if you haven't seen this movie. Um, I was a little curious of why the speed of affliction was different for people. Um, sometimes it seemed to take a hold of an individual very rapidly and quickly. And then in other situations, like the little girl, and maybe we just didn't see something that she did to contract the disease, it, it took half the movie for her to turn. And so knowing that it's a demonic virus, I'm curious to know if... Maybe those who are more pure in heart or more chaste or whatever, the demonic virus takes longer to take a full effect. Yeah, and I I might have an answer of why the little girl took longer. And let's, let's hear it. <laughs> I because most people that we see they get bit by another person who's infected. I don't think that's actually the case with the little girl. I think what happened with the little girl is that a her dog got infected that's a little thing that's mentioned in the movie that like her dad is gone because he's took their dog to the vet or something like that basically he so i think what happened was that it went from human to dog and then dog back to human and so the transmission of the disease took a little bit longer to go through her body interesting the last thing that might deter people a little bit is is a foreign film. So you do have to read subtitles unless you speak Espanol, like me. Um, but even then, I read subtitles because I'm not a native. If foreign films deter you, maybe you should reevaluate your life choices. Because some of the best horror movies I've ever watched are foreign films. And if you are serious about horror, you really need to step outside the box a little bit, in my opinion. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. Yeah, I, I, I will add just the caveat that, you know, I understand that some people who, who have difficulty uh, reading quickly, you know, say you have dyslexia or something like that. Like, I, I understand why subtitles may be really difficult in those situations. But that said, it's still worth it, you know, to, to try to, to work your way through the film. You know, it might take you a little bit longer. You might have to pause occasionally, but it's such a good movie. I, I, I promise you it's worth it. All right. Should we talk Screams and Crowns? I love how our screams and crowds kind of evolve as we discuss the movie. I gave it originally a six screams, but after talking about it again and kind of manifesting the movie, <laughs> to use a very fancy term, um, I give it an eight. It's a solid, scary movie, and it will make you look over your shoulder a little bit if you're out and about. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to give it an 8. Uh, if you had asked me when I had first seen the film, I would have given it a solid 10, but I've just seen more scary movies since then. Um, like I, I would say for horror newcomers, it's going to be a 10 in terms of scares. Uh, if you are a little bit more uh, experienced with the genre, uh, yeah, it'll probably be probably 7, 8-ish for, for most people. It was an, an 8 for me uh, on rewatch. All right, so Crowns, how good do you think this movie was, Nathaniel? It was perfect. It's a 10. <laughs> Which surprises me. I was a little shocked to see you um, give it a 10. I didn't know you loved it so much. It's it's seriously in like the top five, like my, my top five favorite horror films of all time. Yeah, I had no idea about that. We've known each other for almost 15 years, and I just keep learning something new every day. 
Yep. I gave it... I'm trying to decide. I, I gave it an 8. I want to say 8.5, but I also just changed it from a 6, so I should probably stay at 8. It's a good movie. I loved it. I think the second one's better. Don't hate me. I'm just saying 8 is real, real low for a movie this good. Uh, I don't know. I... I I gotta save my nines and tens for movies that blow my pants off. Like Wreck? Like Hereditary. <laughs> yeah, they're like the same echelon to me. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go into Wreck 2, which is... Actually, actually, before we do that, let, let me just touch on the differences between Wreck and Quarantine, because you know, Quarantine is directly oh, yes. remaking Wreck specifically. Let's um, get this out of the way, because, yes... If you really, really can't do subtitles, uh, foreign language films, you know, say it's, but, but, and, and really the only excuse I'm going to accept on that is really, you know, if, 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 you know, you have a reading disability or something like that, because yeah, if you do, I totally get it. Then pick up Quarantine. Quarantine is basically a shot for shot American remake. Um, I will say that I felt like the acting was a little bit less convincing in Quarantine. It's still very good. You know, it's like like they really did do it like shot for shot the same. Uh, the only really significant difference is that at the end, uh, all of the the newspaper clippings and stuff are less about like uh, you know the demonic or you know something with the Catholic Church, but instead are are more based around like hey, uh, there's this you know evil doomsday cult that wants to destroy the world that kind of thing. So it's you know kind of insinuating less you know demonic possession. And more, hey, there's this evil cult that made a super virus to try to destroy the world. So, Which, super virus is less cool than demons. Agreed. But, you know, like, Quarantine was my first experience with this story. I, I really, really enjoyed it. As far as horror remakes go, you know, especially, you know, a, an American remake of a foreign film, it's certainly one of the better ones out there. It doesn't really add anything to the the conversation, but I would say you know if it it's it, it's a great movie, but it, it's a great movie solely because Wreck is a even better movie. And to segue into Wreck Two, Wreck 2 begins right at the end of Wreck 1, which I thought was brilliant for a sequel. I had seen Wreck a few years ago. I had never seen Wreck 2. We broke quarantine and came together to watch this movie. Just you and me. We were yep. fine. We washed our hands. There was hand sanitizer. We're fine. I was blown away, Nathaniel. Wreck 2 is probably in my top five demonic movies of all time now. Wow. I, I I can't get over how good the demonic scenes were in this movie. So, be prepared for me to demonic-gasm all over the place? Is that a thing? Is that a shirt? Shirt idea? Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna make that shirt. Okay, fine. Um, so again, Wreck 2 begins right at the end of Wreck 1. Right at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The opening shot is her getting dragged away. Um... To me, Wreck 2, I felt was a lot darker and a lot scarier. Um, you get this group of policemen who have been authorized to enter the building. Their captain is bringing them in, and they, they make it to the penthouse, and they start investigating a lot of the, the demonic newspaper clippings and research that had been going on about this little possessed girl. Um, and for me, the demonic undertone really changed the feel of the movie. Yeah. I I don't love zombie movies, and so for 90% of Wreck 1, I thought it was zombies. Very well done zombies, but then when we found out it was a demonic virus, and that all of this was interconnected to a demon, I thought, oh hell, this is, this is a different kind of a show. What have we gotten ourselves into? 
yeah, yeah. And I guess uh, to s- sort of fill in the, the major plot points here for, for Rec 2, like like you mentioned, there are, uh, it's a group of police that have been sent into the building. You know, it's still under quarantine. It's literally, you know, minutes later. And uh, one of the people that is in that group is also a doctor. Um, you know, basically someone from the equivalent of the CDC. And he is the one who is running the operation. And uh, that dude's name just because he's the most important character, uh, is uh, Dr. Owen. So Dr. Owen, he is hip to what's going on. He knows the nature of the virus. He knows it's demonic, uh, and we find out very early on, uh, basically right when they're in the penthouse looking at everything, that he is, in fact, a priest. Um, So, you know, he, he is in the know because he knew what the Catholic Church had uh, sanctioned uh, another priest to do, you know, to study uh, demonic possession and try to look at it, you know, from uh, a sort of a, a medical angle and, you know, try to make sense of it. And so that's how this virus got created was this other priest doing that work. You know, it starts out with, uh, you know, like you said, a, a little girl who is possessed, um, Medeiros, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, then... You know, from there, you know, he, he was doing experiments, uh, like, spreading it to other children. You know, he had basically, like, a bunch of cages and all sorts of messed up stuff up in his attic. And so it's and so the police, of course, when they find out all this stuff, they're like, he's, like, doing awful things to kids. Like, why are you willing to accept this? And he's like, well, honestly, like, it doesn't matter if I'm okay with this or not. Like, we just need to get a sample of Medeiros' blood so we can, you know, try to come up with a way to cure this. Um, you know, our job is just to get a, a sample of her blood because that is going to be the cure to you know, creating an antidote and then we can get out of here. Well, and it's cool because you don't know that the the lead officer is in on it for a while. Um, and I think when you and I were watching it, I was just like, oh, holy cow, that's cool. Um, yeah. He ends up being a priest and kind of in on this whole situation. And that was kind of a cool, refreshing twist. I really didn't see it coming because he portrayed being a police officer so well that first portion of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I like that um, really kind of right off the bat, one of the first instances that we have where they actually start encountering the infected is that, um, you know, they get attacked by this, I think it was a lady, uh, you know, she manages to bite one of the police officers Um and then, you know, he, he manages to take her down. And then, you know, the other police officers are, you know, running to his aid. He turns around and then suddenly he's, like, got, gone, like, full, like, demon face. He, he's, like, his blood veins are, you know, sticking out more. And he just, like, runs at him and starts attacking him. Uh, they manage to, like, shove him in another room and, you know, kind of seal the d- door shut. And then um, the priest, Dr. Owen, runs over and he stabs a knife into the door, hangs a rosary on it, and then suddenly the infected officer stops trying to break through. And I love that. That was like, instantly you're like, oh, oh. And I I think I even reacted like that when that happened. It was like the light bulb turned on that this really was demons. And, and again, it, like we talked about at the beginning of this, it completely flips this movie on its head and it's done so well. So cool to see a movie do something like this. I don't know if it's been done in other franchises before where the first film makes you think one thing. And then the second film comes out and it's like, Oh, this is, I was completely wrong. But, but yeah, like what I love about that is it isn't like that. It's breaking the world building that was established in the first one. No, all of the things are there. It's just that you don't realize it until you have all of the pieces. You know, once you have someone who can, can, you know, interpret all of this information for you, a character who is actually in the know, then you're like, oh, that makes everything make more sense. And so it's it's one of those sequels that somehow makes the first one better by having the second one providing more context. And we we often talk about in horror sequels, you know, we've kind of dubbed it horror sequelitis where like it chapter two for example where we know who the villain is we know what they're capable of so the scares don't really get to us as much because we know what to expect mm-hmm. in wreck two they they do it the right way it's a horror sequel that completely keeps true to the story 
but changes it so much that we're now terrified again. It's yeah. awesome. It's so good. Yeah, and, and and I'll say that like a lot of the scares in this film, like like yeah, there wasn't a moment ever at, or at any point that was ever quite as like viscerally um, exciting as as the smashing the head in with the camera scene. But like otherwise, though the the horror, the the scares, the you know the these infected um, slash possessed people, like those elements really just came to the forefront in a way that was so much scarier. Um, like like I don't know, it, it it was amazing because it built on the foundation of the first one, and took it in a way that both made it scarier and more interesting. And I want to talk about that, too, because I am quite the aficionado of demonic-themed movies, as we all know. I have, yes. like, three books in my cabinet that could summon all sorts of demons. I love Only me a three? good... Uh, maybe four now. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bought the Grimoire Verum, which hasn't arrived yet, but it's one of the, like, most black magic demon books of them all. I'm very excited to read into that. The cinematography of the demonic possession in this movie was some of the best I've ever seen. The afflicted, when they were in the light, the little light that was given to us, looked like zombies from Wreck. They had the red sclera, um, the yellow iris of the eye. They looked very zombie-esque, so to say. But then when they moved into the shadows, it was almost like their face changed. And I don't know if this was done on purpose or if it was just a happy little accident. But it was almost like their eyes went like what a cat does when you reflect light in his eyes. And it kind of has that glowing feature. And the face almost kind of distorted into a skeletal kind of inhuman look. I was blown away. I made you pause the movie like three or four times so I could look at the demonic face change. <laughs> it was so good. And then there's a scene where they capture a kid who we'll get to. Um, and he eventually becomes one of the afflicted. And they start to do this pseudo exorcism on him. And you start, it's a very subtle change from human to non-human. You see like his blood veins start to turn black and red and creep up his face and he's still using his kind of adolescent voice and then it slowly morphs into a more growless growly demonic voice and his eyes get all gaunt and oh my gosh it was so beautiful and that's so weird of me to say that this demonic possession was just so beautiful but it was some of the best possession footage I think I've seen in modern cinema. Honestly, it was so good. So good. If you are a fan of demonic possession movies, please watch this movie. And if you're not, if demonic movies terrify you, stay away from this movie. Yeah, yeah. If you can do zombies, but you can't do demons, then watch Wreck 1. Don't pick up Wreck 2. Though, let's be real. You should pick up both because they're so good. Yes, so good. Uh, another element of of the the film that I really liked was this idea, and you know, kind of pulling from the scriptures. This this idea that the light will blind you, that that um, the demons are imp uh, are imprisoned in uh, prisons of of darkness where light can't uh, pass through, and so that becomes a, an element of sort of the mystery and kind of puzzle solving of the film is that they have to use night vision instead of actually like using flashlights and stuff to navigate certain rooms or, or see certain things happening. Like, um, at first I, it's just to, to discover a door, but then, you know, later on there's like a well that can only be seen in night vision. And like, you know, of course we have our, our fun, fun, emaciated lady from the first one pop out of that and grab one of them and drag him down. And then they turn on the lights and they can't see him. And there's not a well there anymore. Oh, so good. Well, and I want to kind of give some context about that because it, it pulled in religious mythology so well here as well that, um, you know, the Christian narrative, you have a God and you have Jesus Christ and they had this host of angelics living with them or whatever you want to, to say. And when Lucifer uh, rebelled, 
God took a third of his hosts and threw them into the darkness or hell or the Jewish Gehenna or the Grecian Tartarus or the Mormon outer darkness. The, the myth goes that these creatures were shunned to a place that was devoid of light. And so this idea that in order to see this vector, the queen of the demonic possession, you have to take away the light because they don't reflect light like everything else in kind of the the realm that god approves of like it blew my mind as well it was like oh my gods this is such great storytelling and as a fan of anthropology and mythology and religion it was just so well done it, it brought up feelings that i felt in hereditary where this is why these types of stories are so awesome but also so terrifying I feel like I'm like yelling into my microphone because I'm so excited. <laughs> are, are you frothing at the mouth at all? Oh, I think my eyes are turning red. Watch out. Pazuzu is with me tonight. Hmm. Um, Please no. Please leave our internet alone, Pazuzu. <laughs> you, you had a, a note about the maggot scene. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. This is brilliant. So towards the end of the movie, we have another plot twist, because why not throw another plot twist on top of all the other ones we've encountered, um, where the reporter from Wreck 1 returns, and she's been fighting off these demons, and she's alive, which is awesome. She doesn't seem to be possessed at all. And then right towards the end of the movie, we realize that maybe she is. And then we find out that at the last scene of Wreck 1... She's taken by the vector, the demon queen, whatever we want to call her, and Maderos. she doesn't. Yes, Maderos. Um, she doesn't kill her. She gets up real close to her. And another demonic trope that we see a lot in movies is throw up. That if a demon throws up on you, that's essentially transferring the demonic entity from person A to person B. Um, or if you're evil dead, you get raped by possessed thorn bushes. Um, but in this movie, they kind of turn that on its head and you see this, I don't even know, Nathaniel, like three foot maggot slowly crawl out of Maderos's emaciated mouth and crawl into the reporter and you see it like moving down her throat into her gut. And even just describing it, is giving me the willies because it's terrifying it's it's so disgustingly beautiful and a a piece of horror art in my opinion it was, it's just so good oh it was so nasty but like it, it worked so well for the scene but yeah ugh. maggots <laughs> just ugh. They, they they get to me okay, uh, um... so overall zombies demons it was perfect the uh, the plot of these two movies put together was so well done so well done if you haven't seen wreck one or wreck two go watch them because they're fantastic agreed um you, let, let's just briefly touch on on the cons of this one uh so the the first one that you brought up is uh in, in the notes is, is the idea that that so midway through the movie we have these kids that come in uh, and basically it's just to, for all of them to get killed off and then, you know, for one of them to be uh, possessed and all that fun stuff. And, you know, he's the one that they do the little, like, semi-exorcism thing on. But, like, they, they kind of are just, like, these, like, punk kids who come in. They're really obnoxious, honestly. And so it, it was hard to care about them at all because their whole thing was really just to create some more people to get infected and be a potential threat slash move the plot forward so i didn't love that they they were a bit contrived just with the kids i i felt like the intensity was at like an eight before we encountered them with the police officers and the situation going on in the apartment complex and then it dropped to like a two with this weird like middle act learning about these kids and the pranks and and everything and then it kind of ramped back up to an eight or a nine to finish the movie and so it felt very disjointed and like you said i just didn't care about any of them yeah they they were kind of the worst and so you're like oh great um 
and then the other thing that we that we had was just that you know like it, it would be nice to get a little bit more explanation of how the demonic possession became a, a virus exactly or you know was it already a virus essentially i don't know it we just wanted it a little bit more fleshed out. I think, you know, both of us felt that way as we were watching. We're like, like, like we kind of get it, but just, you know, 10% more would have been really nice. And I think the only reason I, I wanted more was because it was so well thought out. You had the darkness light kind of plot going on. The demonic enzyme that kind of was the root of all of this. I just wanted a little bit more. I also wanted a name of a demon because I'm all about that. And if you know the name of a demon, you know power. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so scores? Um, Screams, I gave it an 8. I did think it was scarier than the first, but I, I just have seen so many horror movies. It didn't quite get to me like a few other movies have in the past it was terrifying and it will scare the pants off you if you're not a horror veteran if you're a horror veteran i think you'll really enjoy it and you'll love the scares but it won't scare you if that makes sense <laughs> yeah agreed uh, i gave it a nine I, I felt like it was a little bit scarier than the first one uh so that's why i gave it one point higher um crowns again after discussing this with you and hearing me rant and rave about all of the demonic parts of it i bumped it up to a nine this is on par with hereditary and midsummer and evil dead remake for me this is such a good film such a good film yeah i also gave it a nine um you know i i honestly the only reason it's not a 10 like the first one was really just that middle section with the kids it just kind of killed some of the momentum for me but yeah as a whole love the movie like i think it's it's Let's just say I'm mad at myself for not having picked up the sequel sooner. Um, and I guess just to, to address it, I guess there's two more sequels. We haven't watched them yet. We may have to, I don't know, have a movie night, watch both of those, and, and have them featured in a future episode. Yeah. I mean, as long as this quarantine goes on, we can keep it up, right? Heck yeah. Um. All right. I have a very exciting occult quarter this episode. I'm very excited. Um, as we all know, I'm obsessed with demons. I what? really want to get my demonology license and become a certified demonologist. <laughs> it's a real thing. And like we've talked about, these two movies do an incredible job and an original job of showing an idea for demonic possession. Um, and in many ways, I kind of identified this whole situation as being akin to what the demon legion would be like. Um, Legion, as a lot of our listeners will know, is a very famous New Testament demon. He's actually only one of few demons named in the New Testament. Uh, but it's interesting to note that Legion itself is tricky, because a lot of people think Legion is a demon, kind of a main entity, a singular type of a demon. Uh, but others see him as kind of a host of demons and that's kind of what i believe is and what i saw in these two movies is legion may be one individual but he affects a whole bunch of others and kind of becomes many mm. so the story goes if you go to mark in the new testament chapter 5 verses 1 through 10 you'll see the story and i'm gonna try and summarize as best as possible but i've also pulled out some of the key verses in three different biblical renditions, just to show the story in, in some different vernacular. Um, but a man from Gerasenes, Gerasenes, not quite sure on the pronunciation yeah. there. Um, it's modern day Jordan was afflicted by a host of demons. Jesus Christ comes and asks for the name of the demon, which is interesting because requiring the name of the demon was very popular Sumerian occult practice. Um, if you knew the name of the spirit that you were dealing with, you became in control. You had power over that demon, which is interesting because you see that in Catholicism and all sorts of other religions. If you know the name of the demon, you are in control. You have the power over that demon. So the story goes, and I'm going to read from actual scripture. I think this is a first time for us, Nathaniel. <laughs> um, so... As we all know, the Bible has been translated many, many times. 
Um, so these three different translations are just different Bibles that other people use. King James Version is one that's very popular in the state of Utah. So Mark chapter 5, 6 through 9 says, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, This is the man who is possessed. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee, God, that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit, singular. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we, plural, are many. Um, and so this is kind of the, the main story, Jesus Christ and casts out the demon into a herd of pigs and then the pigs run off a cliff um and when i was doing my research for this a PETA website came out and was <laughs> very upset about the pigs getting thrown off the cliff <laughs> made me made me laugh quite a bit PETA has a beef with jesus <laughs> they do they have <laughs> a big old beef um the next oh, set wait, of no, scriptures they would like us referring to it as a beef uh yes sorry sorry PETA, if you're listening um, sorry not sorry <laughs> the next set of scripture are the exact same verses but the new testament for everyone this bible is very popular with uh jehovah's witnesses and kind of your mainstream evangelical churches so it says when he saw jesus a long way away he ran and threw himself down in front of him why you and me jesus he shouted at the top of his voice why you and me son of the high god by God, stop torturing me. This last because Jesus was saying to him, Unclean spirit, come out of him. What's your name? Jesus asked him. Legion, he replied. That's my name. There's a lot of us. And he implored Jesus not to send them out of the country. Okay, I'm sorry. I fully endorse believing what you want to believe, but this translation of the Bible just makes me giggle so much. <laughs> Full disclosure, me too. Jesus asked him, Legion, he replied, that's my name. There's a lot of us. <laughs> it just sounds so corny. Ugh, I'm sorry. And then finally, the last um, scripture is from the Catholic version of the Bible. It's the Revised Standard Edition. Uh, this version of the Bible actually has the Apocrypha in it and a lot of kind of the banned books of the Bible that were put into place, ironically, with the Catholic Nikean Creed. Um, so this states, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and crying out loud, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Again, singular. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Plural. And he begged him eagerly not to send them out of the country. So that that's kind of the framework of the story. And I, I feel like a lot of our listeners will probably be familiar with that, that I am legion for we are many. And this idea of legion has really um, inspired a lot of media that's out there. I know there's a movie called Legion. You'll see it in games like even world of warcraft a horde of demons and the invasion of those demons is called the legion it's a very popular term and it i think has become so popular because it's found in the new testament it's one of the few demons that's listed by name however there's a lot of controversy over this demon uh, in the septuagint which is the kind of the first grecian translation of the aramaic new testament the word legion that is said in this kind of verse of the Bible is the exact same word that's written when they're talking about a Roman legion, which is about 6,000 men written in the Bible. So again, some people believe that legion is the name of a specific demon. However, all of the grimoires before and after the Bible came out do not list legion as an entity, rather an order um, so you would say Beelzebub contains a legion of lesser demons that he controls. Um, so if there are a few different examples that we can look at here and a few different interpretations. Um, the Encyclopedia of Demonology by Rosemary Ellen Gibby 
states again that a legion is a group of 6,666 demons being controlled by one of the 72 princes of hell, which are outlined in the Lesser Key of Solomon, which I have. Um, and I looked through the Lesser Key, and again, it, it mentions legion as a number, not as a specific entity. Um, John Veyer, in his Pseudo Maniarca Demonum, which was written in 1583, has a huge and complicated system of hierarchies and calculations and divided the hosts of hell into 666 legions and then each legion has 6,666 demons in it and each one of them is ruled by 66 dukes, princes, and kings. Like, it's a hot mess. It is a big ol' hot mess. Um, and others think it's a anti-Roman parable that Jesus wasn't actually talking about a demonic entity. He was making a reference that maybe this man was obsessed with the roman idea of living when he should have gone to his natural roots um, and the judaism that was there um so regardless of what you think or you what you believe i think it's a fascinating story and i think wreck um has an incredible interpretation and representation of what i think a demon who is multiple and one at the same time would look like um, and also, those poor pigs. Legion then consumed the herd of pigs, and they crashed to their deaths. So, may they rest in peace. <laughs> and, again, you could say that it was a little Judaism going on there, because pigs are not clean in the Hebraic law. So, eh, tomato, tomato. Alright, Nathaniel, I, I thought it would kind of be a cool idea to change up our staying spooky segment this episode where we're all trying to self-isolate and we're all trying to be as quarantined as possible. You and I wanted to kind of create a list, a recommendation of movies for people out there who, if you're bored and you're not sick of quarantine information, check these movies out. So the first one that we have on the list is Contagion. I actually haven't seen that movie, but I know you have. It's all right. Um, it's more of a sci-fi thriller than a horror, but sci-fi is definitely a love child of horror. Um, the next movie we have is Quarantine, which we've talked about, so I'm going to skip to the next one, 28 Days Later, which is a fairly meh zombie movie. It's pretty good. It's it's very well received by the community, but yeah, I think both of us are just kind of eh about it, but you know, if you want to pick up a, a British uh, horror f zombie movie that you get to see Chillian Murphy's Dong, then sure, go ahead. Dong's all over the world. Um... Then we have Zombieland 1 and 2, which are glorious and perfect movies. I, I wouldn't say Zombieland 2 is a perfect movie. It okay, has some fair. Kind of plot weaknesses, but both really funny movies. Both uh, a great way to uh, dig into uh, the pandemic idea in a way that will make you laugh. I watched, Zombieland. I watched Zombieland 2 on my flight to England, and I was sitting nestled in between two old ladies, and both of them would look at my little movie screen and get very disgusted. It was so much fun. That's fantastic. <laughs> I try and watch the most horrific horror movies on the airplane so people won't talk to me. It's a great strategy if you're flying. Yeah, and, and if they do want to talk to you you know, about how awesome that horror movie is, then hey, then, then you do want to talk. <laughs> Um, the next movie would be Dawn of the Dead, the original and the remake. The original is an, an iconic classic work of horror. It's not perfect, but it really set the precedent for a lot of future movies. Yeah, and I, I really like the remake a lot as well. I feel like it... It's it's funny because it's... I believe it's Zack Snyder's first film. And, and you know, he of course went on to make a lot of bad DC movies and stuff, but... Um, I, I really liked his take on Dawn of the Dead. They're definitely you know, a lot faster zombies, but I felt like a lot of the, the ways that it kind of played with the zombie virus and, and, and just some of the ways that you will like have to cope with boredom, uh, while dealing with, you know, these hordes of zombies that have trapped you in a mall. Uh, I really liked, I, I liked a lot of the, the, just the like little kind of human moments where they're just like taking pot shots at zombies as they're like looking at ones that you know they're, they're they're trying to find ones that remind them of celebrities stuff like that like i don't know there's just like lots of fun like little moments like that where it's like 
I don't know, it feels very authentic to me, just looking at all of the ways that people are dealing with quarantine now. So, um, Then we had Night of the Living Dead. The OG. World War Z, which is not my favorite movie. Yeah, I, I would say if you're going to pick up World War Z, you should pick up the book by Max Brooks, because it is wonderful and perfect and... And, and, and does a phenomenal job of, of kind of doing that thing that I mentioned that I love that Dracula did, where it's it's written as journal entries by survivors of the zombie war of World War Z. And, you know, and so, like, it's it's a bunch of different people from all over the world in, in different walks of life, you know, kind of sharing, like, a uh, uh, key moment uh, of the World War Z uh, that they experienced. Book is super, super good. So, yeah, maybe pick up the book instead of the movie. And then we have Jerusalem, which is one of the worst movies that I have ever seen. But it's so bad that it's so good at the same time. (laughs) It's essentially the apocalypse story of these two tourists that are in Jerusalem. It's a found footage film, not a great one, but it's so dumb and so good at the same time. Uh, next up, we have Train to Busan, uh, which is uh, one I need to add to my list because I have not watched it yet, even though I really mean to uh, and keep meaning to. And especially now that there's been a sequel announced, gotta watch Train to Busan. Everyone loves it. Next, we have what I think is a very overrated movie, I Am Legend. I thought it was very meh. I did not care about the dog that dies, but everyone did. Um, it was okay. just Okay. Okay, well, I like I Am Legend. I think it's a fun movie. Um, I knew this was going to happen. I know you have feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I like the alternate ending uh, of the film better. So, you know, if if you can find a a version that has that alternate cut for the ending, definitely pick that up instead. Uh, But if we're going to talk about I Am Legend adaptations, because, of course, it is a classic horror novel by uh, a god of horror, Richard Matheson, uh, and is a book that everyone should read. In fact, screw everything else we talked about. Just go read I Am Legend. <laughs> but if you want the best film adaptation of it, you watch Last Man on Earth, starring Vincent Price. It was the original film adaptation uh, made in the 1950s. It is black and white. It is fantastic and follows the book much, much, much more closely. Yeah, that's right. It's about vampires, not zombies. Or whatever the crap mutant things they are in in the new I Am Legend film. No, it's vampires, like in the book, like it's supposed to be. I I wanted to say one other thing relative to to staying spooky. So I I don't have it yet. It should be I I pre-ordered it, and shipping is slow for everything because of the uh, because of the pandemic. But tomorrow I should be getting my copy of Grady Hendrix's new book, <gasps> friend of the show Grady Hendrix. Uh, <gasps> the southern uh book club's guide to slaying vampires so i i can't necessarily say it's good but knowing everything else that he's written and knowing that grady hendrix is a delightful human being and again friend of the show i have to say everyone should go pick that up because i think it's worth your time i mean the the cover has a peach with vampire blood fangs like fang marks in it what more do you need um, I need to read it after you're done. Deal. Everyone, stay safe. Stay spooky. We're all getting through this crazy together. Stay spooky. Need even more Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Scream Kings Pod. You could also email us at Scream Kings Podcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Scream Kings. Stay spooky.